Um, so yeah, it's already been said, we've worked over Lent and we through the Gospel of Mark. We're looking at the life and the ministry of Jesus. And just uh, freshly stirred from Acts 10, 28, I'm just going to turn there. I don't think it's 28, I think it's 38 actually. Um, this isn't a part of my sermon, but it is now. Um, so this is Peter speaking to a Gentile household, Cornelius' household, and he's summing up the ministry of Jesus. It says, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. That, that, that summary of the life of Jesus can be the summary of our lives too. See, we're a chosen people of God. We are called by God. Jesus says that the same mission that the Father gave him, the same way that the Father sent him, he is sending us. And what we're called to is we're called to live spirit-filled, biblically grounded lives where we bring good everywhere we go. Everywhere we have influence, we bring good. Everywhere we see people being oppressed by the enemy, we're to bring freedom. This isn't just for the ones, this isn't just for the twos, but this is for all of us. This is for all of us. And, and this morning, what we're going to look at is we're going to see a journey from the disciples, from where they move from a place of fear, where they move from a place of, of thinking that, that life is falling away from beneath their feet, where they're hiding away, they're locking themselves away, to a place where they find freedom and great joy in God. And the freedom and the great joy in God that the disciples find is for us too. So, Sam served us so well last week, looking at um, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and their encounter with Jesus. How Jesus hid their identity from them, but he tenderly drew, drew out of them. Where, where are you at? What's going on in your heart? Why are you downcast? And they spoke about their fears. They spoke about their doubts. They spoke about their worries. And as Sam so helpfully got us to do last week, actually that, that's something that's good for us to do in the right way, to bring those things before God. But then Jesus met them in that time. Jesus opened up the scriptures to them. He, he opened up their minds and revealed himself to them. Where they were lacking hope, he brought them to himself, who is the hope for all, the certain hope that will never be taken away. So hopefully you've already turned to Luke 24, verse 36 to 53. Uh, the scriptures will be up on the screen as well. And so the reason why I've just shared what Sam shared last week is it's, that's the context that we pick up, where we pick up today's passage from. So as they were talking about these things, so as they were talking about Jesus appearing to the disciples on the Emmaus Road, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Notice the exclamation mark. It's quite intentional with the way he says it. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Seeing my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, 
Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said, these, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marvelling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of boiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. For everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. That's quite all-encompassing, isn't it? All the scripture is about me. It points to me. It's being fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. So in the midst of the disciples talking about Jesus' appearance on the Emmaus Road, Jesus suddenly appears to them. And Jesus offers them, wants to give them exactly what they need. He wants to give them peace. He says, peace to you. And I think that this morning, actually some of us need to hear that this morning. We need to hear that Jesus says to us, he wants to give us his peace. He says, peace to you. There are things going on, there are situations going on. But the disciples, they were frightened, they were startled, and they didn't, they, they, they thought he was a ghost. Okay. And what we see here is actually, the disciples started off, the place they were in, they couldn't actually receive the peace that God had for them. You see, Scripture tells us that the double-minded, double-minded man will receive nothing from God. And actually, what we do see is Jesus' tender love and care for the disciples, that actually what goes on from this point is he actually draws them into the place of peace. We say, see so often in Scripture that when the call of God comes, the person's life doesn't line up, or particularly they don't have the faith for what God is saying to them. And yet, God draws them into it. Take Gideon. God appears to Gideon and says, O mighty man of valour, while he's hiding away in a wine press, trying to sift wheat, which is just the wrong place to be doing that because you need the winds coming through to help you. You take Moses, and when God calls Moses, and Moses wants to shrink back from it, he doesn't want to step into it, he doesn't want to see, he even gets Aaron to be his voice at first to Pharaoh, and yet... Look at the end of the story and Moses has stepped into what God had for him to be doing. God has things for us. God will never have us in a situation where he doesn't provide for us what we need in the situation. But we need to come to him in faith and receive in faith and trust him or we'll miss out on what he has for us in that. God is
is faithful, he is loving, he is caring. And like I say, he brings the disciples from a place of fear to a place of faith. From verse 39, we read this. See my hands and my feet, but it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Jesus gives the disciples what they need to overcome their fear. He gives them what they need so that they won't turn around in a week's time, in a month's time, in a year's time, and be like, was that actually Jesus that appeared to us? Was he risen? Or, or was it just a ghost? Was it, was it a vision? Was it our imagination? Uh, and that's a, that's a very real thing. I mean, take John the Baptist. John the Baptist, when Jesus comes to him to get baptised, he professes, this is the Son of God. He's like, I've seen the Spirit of God fall upon him. I know he's anointed. I know this is the one. He is the Christ. And then not that long a time later, when John's in prison, he sends his disciples to Jesus to say, you are the one, aren't you? Because you don't seem to be lining up with what I expected. So often our expectations of God, of what he should be doing, can cause us to miss out on him and what he is doing. So firstly, Jesus meets the disciples' sensory needs, their physical needs. He's, he's like, touch me. Come, come touch me. See, it's physically, physically me that's here. Hear me speak. Hear, me through you. Like, hear my audible voice speaking to you. See me. All these different things. And so Jesus builds their faith. He encourages them. And then from that place, when they're in the place of receiving, he teaches them. It says in verse 34, Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that the repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So Jesus opens their minds to understand the scriptures. He opens their minds to understand that Jesus' death wasn't an accident. Jesus himself chose to lay down his life, but also the Father gave him the right to pick it up again. So the thing where, where the disciples were, were in a place where, they, where they'd lost all hope, really. They'd lost all hope. They were living in fear. Jesus says, actually, the thing that, that has caused you to be in that place is actually the thing that gives you your greatest hope. Because the death, because Jesus could not be held. He had victory over sin. Because he was blameless. He was perfect. He was holy. He was righteous. And though he took the price for our pain, for our suffering, for our shame, for our sin upon the cross, Because of his perfect righteous life, death could not hold him. And he rose to life in victory. And for anyone who puts their faith and trust in him, we now live in the good of that. His righteousness is put upon us. We are clothed in his righteousness. That is his right standing with God. We now have the fact that Jesus 
can come boldly before the Father. As that what I brought earlier about Mia being able to come up to Neil to hold his hand, to hug him. Actually, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We don't, there is to be no shame, there is to be no fear, there is to be no condemnation. All these things are things that it's so easy to live with. It's so easy to think, God, I did that, and to, to not really let it go. But the, the reality is, Jesus' blood is sufficient. Jesus' blood is powerful enough to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, Jesus is coming back for a bride, and he's coming back for a spotless, a holy, a pure bride. In Ephesians 1, it talks about how we are called, how we are predestined to be holy and blameless before God. That is your destiny. Do you believe that? Are you aware that that your destiny is to be holy and blameless before God? To stand righteous before him. And the reality is, though our bodies are not yet redeemed yet, we live in the good of what Jesus has done that we may come boldly before him now with no shame, with no fear because of what he has done for us. So the good news about the way opened up for us on the cross and we know that is the way, the only way to the Father is through Jesus. The good news that was opened up for the cross isn't to stop with the disciples it isn't to stop just within Jerusalem. It isn't to stop within uh, Israel. But it's for the whole world. It says in verse 47, Repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. So God's heart of redemption isn't something that can be contained, but is to be proclaimed. So the good news of what Jesus has done, his death, his blameless life, his death, his resurrection, his his ascension to go be with the Father, this is to be proclaimed. It cannot be contained. The reality is when Jesus was taken away from his disciples, when he was arrested, when um, he was crucified, when he was buried, The disciples were living in fear. They ran away. They were governed by what they perceived was happening. They weren't in tune with what God was doing. Even though Jesus had already told them what is about to happen, they hadn't had ears to hear and to receive really what was about to happen. So how are these disciples going to move from this place of fear. How are they going to move from that place of fear to the place of boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ? Boldly proclaiming repentance and forgiveness of sins. Well, let's go back to the passage. If we read from verse 48, it says this, You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany. And lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. 
and were continually in the temple blessing God. So there are, there are two key points of transformation that I think we see with the disciples once Jesus is raised from the dead. One is the disciples are told to wait to receive the promise from the Father. And he said, when you receive the promise from the Father, you will be clothed with power. So that's talking about the day of Pentecost. That's talking about when the Holy Spirit falls upon the 120 that were gathered together, praying and seeking God. And what happens from that point is an explosion of the gospel. We see that in the days from that moment, thousands and thousands of people were added to the church, were added to their number, put their faith and their trust in Jesus. So that's one point of transformation. But there is a second sermon notes. And this second point isn't actually something which I gravitate towards in terms of if you'd asked me before preparing this sermon what's the point? Where do the disciples get transformed? Where do they find boldness? Where do they find the courage to leave their locked rooms? I would have always pointed to Pentecost. And that, that is so important and we will get there and we will unpack that in a few weeks' time. But what, what I, there's something here that I saw that yeah, just really struck me. When the disciples actually had the full conviction that Jesus had died for their sins, had raised to life, and had ascended to be with the Father, what do we see? We see that they had great joy, and they were continually in the temple, which is a public place, blessing God. So this is before Pentecost. This is before the Holy Spirit comes in power upon them. So what's happened? What's the shift? The shift is... Their minds are renewed. Their fifth is, the shift is they're thinking in line with the truth of who Jesus is, of the fact that he died for them, of the fact that he has gone to be with the Father and that is better for them. You see, last time where they thought Jesus had left them, had been taken away from them, it produced fear, it produced insecurity, it caused them to run away. Peter even then denied Jesus. Three times he said, I, I do not know who, who you is, who you are. And yet, revelation of the truth of who Jesus is and all that he accomplished and the mission that he's given to his people. That revelation brought freedom. That revelation brought great joy. That revelation caused them to go out from being locked away again to actually be amongst the people blessing and praising God. Now they still had to wait. They still had to wait till Pentecost to go and preach the good news, to go and proclaim the kingdom of God is at hand. But what we see is actually as our minds align with truth, as we think in line with truth, it brings transformation. And that's what we see in Romans 12, isn't it? I'll just turn there.
This is Romans 12. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable and perfect. So there's a renewing of the mind that needs to take place, that brings transformation. And that helps us to discern what is good to do. It helps us to discern what decisions to make, how to handle situations, how to handle life in a way that is pleasing to God. I just really feel that this is something that God is wanting to speak to us about, wanting to highlight to us. Are we giving ourselves to being transformed in the way we think? Are our minds aligned with the, with the pattern of this world, with the things of this world, so that we think in line with that? Or are our, are our minds in line with the truth that all things are possible for God. So no matter what goes on in life, we can turn to him in faith and say, God, all things are possible. What are you wanting to do here? How do I bring your kingdom in this situation? And that's, that's a radical mindset, isn't it? It's, a, it's something that's completely different. But... It's something that God is calling us to because God doesn't want us to stay how we were, but God wants to conform us into the image of his son. So I'm just going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us that as, as we go on, on this journey of, of um, being transformed, of our thinking aligning with how God thinks about us and how he views those around us, that he help us on this journey because it is a journey and the reality is it's something we have to give ourselves to sometimes God will in an instant change the way we think about certain things but actually more often than not it's a process of us going to our lovingly going to our heavenly father who loves us dearly and, bring, and, and allowing his truth to shape us. Allowing his truth to shape how we think and therefore how we love those around us. How we bring his kindness to those around us. How we bring his kingdom to those around us. So yeah, I'm just going to pray for us. God, I thank you so much. I thank you so much that you sent Jesus to die for us upon the cross. I thank you so much that, that it doesn't end there, the story doesn't end there, but that he rose to life in victory. And now he's ascended to be with you. Lord, I thank you for the privilege it is to now be sent as you sent the Son Jesus, we are now sent. We are sent to do good. We are sent to release those who are oppressed by the enemy. Lord, and, and the only way that, that, that we can do any of this is what the, 
is how Jesus' ministry was summed up. For God was with him. And God, we know that you have promised never to leave us now. We know that you have promised to always be with us. And we know that's why the disciples could be rejoicing and they could be full of hope because they were living in the reality of that truth. The pressure was off. It wasn't about them and what they could accomplish. But it was about what they could accomplish in relationship with you, with your power and your strength flowing through them. Lord, I just pray now for for greater revelation of what it means to be sons and daughters of the King. I pray for, for renewed minds. Lord, I pray help us to engage with that process, to change the way that we think to in line with you and your truth. Lord, help us to raise our expectations that all things are possible with God. All things are possible with you and to walk in faith in that. Lord, just come be with us now, we pray. Come draw near to us as we draw near to you. Come speak to us. Help us to hear your voice and to obey that we build our lives upon the rock that is Christ Jesus. Amen.